Eve's Guide for Regular Guys. Tips and advice on developing confidence, embracing your style, and attracting the love and sex you want. Hello everybody, welcome back to Eve's Guide for Regular Guys. This is episode 11, and thank you for joining me. I'm so glad you're here. I've probably said that before, but I really am glad that you're listening and getting something out of this. It makes it very rewarding for me to do this kind of thing. So thank you. I hope you're doing well. Did I say that already? Anyway, I'll say it again. I hope you're doing well. This week, what I'd like to talk to you about in the continuation of the um, investment in you, in helping you become a more confident, happy person that's going to be more attractive to women. I want to talk about something that you probably haven't thought about much before, at least not in in explicit terms. So we're going to just dive right into it. I'm talking about developing your own philosophy and moral code. Now, I know that whenever you start to think about advice for attracting women or finding love in your life, your thoughts immediately go to the here and now, the tips or tricks or hints or pointers, rules, whatever you think will unlock the secrets for you today. And while I can certainly give you some tips and advice along the way, like when we talked about how to communicate with women online, I hope that this series will be about more than that. As I've said, it's about investing in yourself, finding your path and improving your self-esteem with the ultimate goal of having a more satisfying life, more peace of mind, and a loving sexual relationship. This approach is, is more holistic, and my hope is that it will lead to the one thing that you really need to achieve all that, including attracting a woman, which is, in my opinion, as I've said before, um, the quiet confidence in yourself that women find impressive. I just want to reiterate what I've said before. Impressing a woman is crucial, but not in the ways that you might think. You don't have to be all flash or rich and gorgeous, and you certainly shouldn't be bombastic and brash or full of yourself. What I'm talking about is a more fundamental confidence that comes from deep within you, a confidence in who you are that makes you feel at ease in people's company, that makes you confident in your opinions and makes you defend your principles, and which also allows you uh, room to learn new things and change as you go through life, if it makes sense for you to do so. So how do you get this confidence? If you aren't, you know, if you aren't rich or gorgeous, if you aren't a movie star or a musician or whatever, how do you get this kind of quiet inner conviction of being true to who you are? How do you really achieve it without fakery or deceit, without lying to yourself or others, or just pretending that you are really happy with who you are? Well, I believe you have to go back to basics, that you have to start with a fundamental inventory, in a sense, and figure out what you think, what you believe, and how you're going to live your life according to those principles. In other words, you need to develop your own philosophy and moral code. So what do I mean by this? Well, I'm going to lead you through a mental exercise and ask some questions. And I'll explain as I go why I think these are important. At first, you might not see how it all connects or why I'm, I'm building you up from the, the inside out like this. But hopefully, as we go on, you, you'll begin to see how it all fits. Okay, 
starting with the basics, developing your own philosophy. Philosophy as a subject, for most people, tends to be something that people shy away from, because it's a pretty weighty subject, usually. And and most of us just aren't that fascinated enough to understand all of its intricacies and, and, and read through the very thick, kind of dense texts that usually accompany it. But I want you to see it as simply this. Your philosophy is the basic fundamental beliefs you have about life, the universe, and everything, to borrow shamelessly from Douglas Adams. <laughs> um, you've probably already begun to form a kind of philosophy of your own without even knowing it, but I want you to start thinking about it consciously. I mean, like most people, you've probably considered the age-old questions about our origins here, um, the meaning of life, 42. Yes, thanks, Douglas. Um, but, for, <laughs> but for this exercise, I want you to really make this this part of your philosophy clear. You don't have to go into great detail. And of course, you can take as much time to think about this first question as you need. But try to answer this question for yourself. How did we get here? The universe, the planet, human beings, you know, life in general. How did all this happen? I would say there are there are basically three, three sort of categories of answers to this question. If you're a theist, you believe that a god or gods, um, and I even include um, alien civilizations in this category because those who believe we were planted here by aliens are subscribing to a belief in some kind of supernatural creator of a sort. Um, you believe that god or gods created us. If you're an atheist, you reject the concept of a supernatural deity, and you likely believe that we evolved from amino acids and proteins many, many, many millions of years ago. And if you're agnostic, which literally means without knowledge in Greek, then you believe that, the, that, that human beings can't know really for sure either way, that we aren't capable of being able to confirm or deny the existence of, of a god. Um... Now, some agnostics deviate from this a little bit and claim that we don't know yet, that we will one day have the answers, and there are all kinds of permutations of all the different things that I've just talked about. But but this is a very oversimplified categorization just for the sake of this discussion. If you're at all interested in this kind of thing, you can find endless discussion on it, I promise. <laughs> I'm just talking about it in very general terms so that you can kind of form a bedrock idea of what you believe. This will become important later, which is why I'm asking it first. Okay, so once you've answered this question, the next question is a little bit trickier. How do you know? And I don't mean that as in, oh yeah, how do you know there's a God? You know, dude bro kind of thing. <laughs> no, I, I literally mean whatever belief you have, this whatever knowledge that you have, how do you come by it? How do you know what you know? For example, if you're religious, you might answer the Bible or the Quran or some other holy book is the word of God or gods and it's passed down to us. They, they, he or they or she or whoever have told us how the world was formed. So that's how I know. Or it might be something like, I believe the religious leaders in my community or my parents who taught me what was taught to them. 
If you're an atheist, you might answer, I've seen evidence of evolution, and I believe science has disproven or explained many of the mysteries that we used to ascribe to a supernatural god. The point of this question is to get you to decide for yourself whether your knowledge, your beliefs, your principles, things like that, are based on faith or on reason, for lack of more complicated terms. I'm not using either term um, pejoratively or, or um, I'm not putting any judgment into these terms. I'm not trying to insult anyone. I'm just identifying the fundamental differences between the two worldviews. Faith is generally belief without proof or in spite of proof, and reason is belief based on proof or the extrapolation of evidence around you. Now, for many people, especially these days, they aren't extreme in their beliefs. Many atheists are still interested in spirituality and the mysteries of our existence, and many religious people believe in evolution and science. Just a little while ago, um, the Vatican invited physicists to talk about black holes, the Big Bang, that sort of thing. So wherever you land on this, it's likely that you aren't all or nothing. But even if you are, that's fine. That's the point of this. You need to figure out what you believe and why you believe it. It's the foundation of yourself, and it will influence your moral code and your self-confidence. The reason you need to figure out how you know what you know, in other words, why you believe what you believe, is that for so many people, belief or faith or even their very, their very rational worldview can be changeable depending on the situation that they're in. I mean, if you don't really know or understand why you think what you think, well, it's pretty easy to change what you think on a dime. In the words of the immortal, Groucho Marx. <laughs> These are my principles. If you don't like them, I have others. <laughs> and that's what so many people do. They change based on who they're with, or what the more popular opinion is, or, or how their friends or family or community think. You know, this is how hysteria can spread when it does. It's how mob mentality can take over. There have been endless studies done on this, how we tend to change our behavior when we're around other people. What you need to do if you want to start being the confident, impressive guy that women like, is that you need to be consistent with what you believe and act on it. I mean, are you the same person with everyone? You know, within reason, we can't be completely ourselves at work or with our grandmothers, you know, but in general, do you change your opinions based on who you're with? Do you act one way with this group, but another way with another group? This is the kind of, you know, wishy-washy sort of unprincipled behavior that you have to stop if you want to be a strong, confident person that women admire. Okay, the next question I want you to ask yourself is this. Do I fundamentally believe in the individual, or the group. This is another oversimplification, but I think most people can answer this with a bit of thought. Without being too extreme about it, because most people are not extreme in either their beliefs or the application of them, what do you believe our mandate here on earth is, if any? I mean, once you figure out whether you think an observant God put us here with a set of rules to follow, 
or whether you think our existence is a kind of happy accident from the primordial soup, you know, now you need to determine what you think is the proper way for human be human beings to be. What is our obligation, essentially? Are we meant to live separate individual lives that intersect in communities, the way some animals, like some social animals, like elephants and that sort of thing do? Are we essentially all unique individuals with the right to our own lives? Or do you believe that we are our brother's keeper, as the saying goes? Do you believe it's proper for us to take care of each other, even at the expense of our own selves? Do you believe that humans are mandated or obligated or, you know, supposed to, because it's right, you know, form a large group and share resources, putting the group's well-being ahead of any one individual? Or do you fall somewhere in the middle of this? I want to stress, I'm not talking politics here, okay? Politics is just the most basic, watered-down version of this, and I'm pretty bored with politics at this point. I'm just talking about the fundamental nature of human beings. Do you, do you think that each human being born has the right to live his or her own life, essentially? You know, fend for himself, feed for himself, feed her family, you know, take care of herself, that sort of thing. Or do you believe that we are all beholden to each other, connected and tied to each other, that we should work to make life better for everyone as a group? Or do you believe it's a bit of both, that every person has the right to his, his or her own life, but that we kind of owe it to each other to cooperate and help each other out when we can? Figure out what you believe is the proper thing to do in this case, proper in quotes, you know, because now we're getting into the question of morality. What is the moral way to be? What is right? What is wrong? You have to decide this for yourself. This is really, really important. It's not what your family thinks or your community or your country. It's not what your school or your religion or your neighbors think. It's what you deep down rock bottom believe to be true. Because the answers you come up with start to influence your moral code. If you are, if you believe, for example, that we're all connected and that we are morally responsible for each other, then your moral code will start to reflect this. You might, for example, make one of your principles that you must donate a portion of your salary to your church in the form of tithing. Just as an example, some religious people give roughly 10% of their earnings to their church without fail, even when they are struggling financially. Their belief system, that we were created by God, and their moral system, that we are obligated to support each other, in this case through the work that the church does, leads to a moral code for these people that makes giving money regularly um, just a principle of theirs that they follow. It's not a whim for them or a moment of generosity. It's a moral principle. Now, on the other hand, if you believe that we are all individuals and we aren't morally obligated to each other, your moral code will reflect that too. You may decide, for example, that you won't accept a government grant for your art because you don't believe other people should be taxed to support your art. Or you may look for legal loopholes to avoid paying more tax than you need to because you don't believe other people are automatically entitled to the money that you've earned. Like the previous example, it's not based on a whim or a moment of greed or selfishness. It's a moral principle. 
Now, both of these beliefs, these moral stances, have the capacity to be abused and to attract unscrupulous people. But I'm not talking about that. I'm trying to illustrate how you view the world in fundamental terms and how that will help you develop a moral code that you can live by. Doing so will give you confidence and character that other people, including women, will notice. If you believe helping others people is, is the moral way to be, you'll, you'll likely find a job that involves something to do with that, or you'll support political parties who espouse that. If you believe being independent and taking care of yourself without burdening others is the moral way to be, then you'll probably find a job that helps you achieve that, and you'll vote for candidates who also agree with that. Or if, like most people, you tend to fall more or less in the middle, sometimes you're, you're all for individualism, sometimes you think it's more moral to care for others, then your moral code will reflect that too, especially if you've given thought as to when it's appropriate to do each thing. If you know, for example, that you'll always respect a person who works hard and supports his family without going on welfare, but at the same time, you want there to be a safety net for those who really need it, then your moral code will start to reflect this. These are principles you can rely on, you know, judgments you can make for yourself without being wishy-washy. You'll be able to look at any given situation and assess it based on your own morality. You won't be a fence sitter, and you won't just go along to get along which is what we're really talking about here. The refusal of many people to develop a set of principles and stick to them, no matter who they're talking to, you know. And I don't mean you can't ever change your mind. You absolutely should change your mind throughout your life when you learn new things or situations change. All I mean is you need to be confident in your beliefs, whatever they are. Never let someone else's morality erode your own. Be firm in what you believe and why you believe it. You can be respectful, you can be thoughtful and intelligent and, and polite, and still believe what you believe. I mean, I would really respect a guy who stood his ground in a social setting, for example, if he said he didn't drink because it was against his religion, or he didn't drink because he himself decided not to drink on principle, you know, regardless of of all of his friends around him drinking if he stuck with pop or water all night. I would really, really respect that. And I wouldn't even have to be like him or agree with him. I could be happily swigging down my Guinness, you know. But I would respect him holding his ground because it was part of his moral code. Another example, I'm a vegetarian and I'm not militant about it. I rarely discuss it with people in any depth and I really... I don't bother anybody who isn't a vegetarian, but I bring it up here because here's another example that's relevant, I think. Something I really, really despise, something that actually hurts me, is when people make stupid, tasteless jokes when they find out I'm a vegetarian. You know, the whole, oh, I love animals, they taste great kind of thing, you know? That is really not funny. You know, you're just making yourself look like an asshole when you make such a stupid and offensive joke. To me, it would be like telling a Jesus on the cross joke to someone if you just found out they were Catholic. You know, it's really insensitive. It's rude. It's tasteless. And especially since I'm only a vegetarian because I'm an animal lover. I'm against animal cruelty. Um, for me, I can't kill or harm animals for my food or my clothes or whatever. I don't wear leather or fur, anything like that. My point is, I would respect a meat eater who simply said, I just like eating meat. I don't think I could ever be a vegetarian. 
I would respect that way, way more than someone who made a stupid joke trying to be popular or funny and who's clearly just trying to make me feel bad, but who had never given a moment's thought to it. And I'd respect him way more than someone who pretended to be a vegetarian for my sake, but who just wasn't into it. You know, in other words, I would rather be with an honest carnivore than a wishy-washy vegetarian. I would respect someone who believes in eating meat and has a reason for it, uh, rather than someone who just plays around with vegetarianism or who doesn't really think anything about it at all, but just wants to get along with me. So it's going to take a while for you to build up your moral code. It won't happen overnight. You need to really introspect. You need to do a lot of thinking about what you believe and why you believe it. Your philosophy will need to be honed over time too. Life experience tends to shape and reshape our philosophy, and that's okay. As long as you stand by what you believe, as long as you believe things for reasons, not just for, for a whim or convenience, then there's lots of room to fine-tune what you believe or even change it completely. Just make sure you've changed it for a good reason, based on events or circumstances or new knowledge that fundamentally change the way you view a particular thing. Don't join a religion because of a girl, you know, things like that. Something else you can do is take an inventory of some of the core beliefs that you already have. You might want to make a list of some of these things just to get you started thinking about how it all adds up to a sort of um, mission statement for yourself, if I can borrow that term, a kind of a synopsis of who you are and what you stand for. So for example, you could ask yourself, do I steal either online or in real life? Would I steal things if I could get away with it? Why or why not? Do I cheat, either on partners or just in general? Would I cheat if I could get away with it? Why or why not? Do I lie to get what I want? Why or why not? Do I support myself? Or do I want to and plan to, even if I can't right now? Why or why not? Do I respect other people? their property, their privacy, their rights? Why or why not? Do I respect women or people of other races? Um, do I treat everybody as equals? Do I respect other people's sexuality? Things like that. Why or why not? And do I try to live a fulfilling and positive life? Do I care about myself enough to build a good life for myself? Why or why not? You can ask questions like this about a lot of things. You're really just forming a basic snapshot of who you are as a moral person and why you do what you do and think what you think. List off the things that you're proud of about yourself, you know? It might end up being something like, I'm hardworking, I'm responsible, I'm concerned about the environment, I take care of my aging parents, um, I volunteer, I donate to charities, I work out or play sports to stay healthy, I don't smoke, I eat well, I make an effort to be well-groomed and well-dressed, I'm an agnostic, I'm center-left politically, and I respect women, you know? <laughs> Just whatever. You see what I mean? It can be a list of all the things that you are for reasons, all the things you admire about yourself or are proud of. You can even include somewhat negative things if you're honest about them or if it's something you could change. You could say... I have anxiety and depression, so I'm not always able to participate in social gatherings. I'm judgmental of people sometimes, if I believe they're being willfully stupid. 
um, I hold an unpopular opinion about a certain subject, but it's what I believe. You know, the point is, start forming a solid foundation that you keep building up and building up. Keep working on it. Keep adding to it. Do this daily if you can. Look at new situations every day and ask yourself questions about it. Make sure you know what you believe and why, and that you'll act on it. I want to stress as well that as much as we tend to view morality in terms of how we behave towards others, I want you to try not to think about it in those terms, at least not too much. You know, people often tailor their responses and even their morality around the perceptions of others. I want you to start figuring out who you are regardless of who is watching, if you know what I mean. Character is what you are in the dark, you know, when you, when you don't think anyone is watching. There are some great uh, dropped wallet experiments on YouTube. Now, they aren't scientific and the samples are too small to draw any firm conclusions, but, but the point is, in each of these experiments, you can see a person's moral code operating, regardless of whether they'd be caught or not. The idea, in case you don't already know, is that someone pretends to have dropped his wallet and is walking away or talking on a cell phone, and a hidden observer films whether the people passing by return it to him or alert him to it, or whether they take the wallet and keep it. In some experiments I've seen, the added bonus is that the person who drops the wallet actually leaves the scene or goes kind of far in the distance, like on a bike or something, so that the passerby knows it was him, but they're really too far away to be influenced by any social obligation of a guy standing right there. In any case, these videos always tend to reveal that the majority of people are honest and empathetic. Most people like the vast majority of people, retrieve the wallet for the stranger who dropped it, or they alert him to it. And in one case of a vanishing wallet dropper, the camera even followed someone who went through a very long, circuitous route to chase after the guy who dropped it. Only a very, very, very few people keep the wallet for themselves. Now, none of these people knew that they were being watched or filmed. The ones who keep the wallet prove this. But when asked by the filmmakers why they decided to return the wallet, people's answers all reflected the same sort of thing. It wasn't mine. I would hate to lose my wallet. Or, you know, I'd want someone to return mine, you know, or it's just the right thing to do. This is how I want you to view all the things that you are principled about, all the things that you believe for reasons. Because here's something to keep in mind while you're busy figuring yourself out. As much as your own morality is about yourself, fundamentally, it does have an impact on how you interact with others. If you want to find a loving relationship, or if I can put it in these terms, a soulmate, that means you'll have to know your own soul first. You'll have to know how to recognize your soulmate when you meet her. The only way for you to know whether your soul and hers will fit together nicely is if you already know yours. Does this make sense? Some people think that they can take a very broad approach, you know, sort of mosquito with a machine gun kind of thing. They figure that they'll be so lucky to have anyone even look at them that they'll be more than willing to become whatever he or she needs them to be, you know? They're chameleons in a sense, or they're like complete blank slates. They'll just do whatever it takes to make that other person happy. Or so they think. Because the trouble with this approach is that no matter who you are, it will never work. 
You are an individual. You do have beliefs and opinions and attitudes to life, and you simply can't bury them in the hopes of being attractive to someone else. They will come out. I mean, maybe you can hold your tongue on things you disagree with for a time, but believe me, it's going to come to the surface sooner or later, and probably sooner. I mean, let's say, for instance, you, you meet a woman at work and you get talking and she seems to like you. Or maybe she comes right out and tells you she likes you. She thinks you're funny or smart or talented or good looking. And maybe she thinks you're just her type. Whatever the case, you're over the moon, you know, prepared to do almost anything to go out with her. And then you find out she's a staunch atheist who, I don't know, votes liberal and likes to go hunting on the weekend. Meanwhile, you're a, a devout uh, Jew who who votes conservative and you're a, you're vegan. You know, you, know, you see where I'm going with this? <laughs> it's not that opposites don't attract. They often do, especially when it's just, you know, initially a physical or sexual attraction. But opposites have a hard time remaining happy together for any length of time. And if you lie to yourself or to her just to get closer to her, well, I think you know what a bad idea that is. You need to know who you are and look for people who are enough like you that a relationship could be honest and long-lasting. You owe it to yourself and to anyone you might date. There's nothing worse than dating someone you think shares your values only to find out that they were either lying or pretending just to try to make things work with you because they were attracted to you. So you know, don't be that person for someone else. And I will say, in general, there are certain qualities that most women, most women look for in a man. Going back to that list I gave you, most women want an honest man, someone who doesn't cheat or steal. Most women want a self-sufficient man who has at least the desire to take care of himself financially, emotionally, physically. Most women want a fair-minded man who respects other people. And most women want a man who wants to live a good and productive happy life. So ask yourself if you have these qualities. And if you don't have them, ask yourself either why you don't want to develop them, or what's stopping you from developing them. Always keep in mind, your character is not carved in stone. We all can and should change as we mature and experience life. So if you do a self inventory and discover that you don't have a moral code that you like, remember, you can always change it. You can become the man you really want to be. So I hope I've given you some food for thought this week. Take your time and consider these things and maybe have a look at some of the links I've provided in the description. So until next time, remember, you're an attractive, interesting person worthy of love and you're well on the way to finding it. So take care. Bye for now.